2: This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network.
3: Search 76ers Insiders wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Put everybody, from Philadelphia, 76ers, the feet.
2: Welcome back everybody to another, technically still post Sixers win reaction. We haven't talked to you guys since the Sixers got the brooms out in Brooklyn. Finished the sweep, went four and O against the Brooklyn Nets in the postseason. Happened to go four and O against the Brooklyn Nets in the regular season as well. For a cumulative eight and O against the Brooklyn Nets. Already looking to round two, getting some time off for some well-deserved rest, much needed rest, if you're some of the 76ers. Matt Murphy, Kate Scott, I'm so excited to talk to you guys about it. How are we on this fine Monday?
3: Great, Lauren. We got Kate Scott with us. Again, second space's appearance. We're so thrilled. This is great. A sweet first one since 85 against the, the Nets in round one. We can talk about that we can look ahead but most importantly just chatting with our friend Kate it's going to be a lot of fun Kate thanks for being here
4: oh thanks for having me you two and everybody who's uh tuning in this morning and I promise I promise not to take over the conversation this time you guys know that's just the natural spot for me but I I I promise to listen and and just answer questions this time around (laughs)
3: But here's the thing. We kind of want you to, so you don't really have a choice. We want to hear from you. We are going to ask you questions, and I think we'll start with this because we saw your video, your end-of-season video. Not that your season's done. You'll be reporting from the future rounds of the playoffs as well, but the local broadcast in in the books, and you, you sent out that selfie video through the rain, <laughs> Weather conditions aside. Yep. And it was year two for you and it was the first one with full travel. So yeah. as you you probably need more you definitely need more time to think about it, but yeah. in your instant reaction, how was this second season for you as the T V play by play voice of the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers?
4: Yeah, my instant reaction was, Matt, uh, why couldn't the, the hail slash rainstorm have held off for like ten more minutes, right, Miss Rosen? <laughs> When we got it back... Was, it
2: was- comical because we were on the bus back from Brooklyn. For those that don't know, a lot of times the team takes the train into the city because they stay in Manhattan, but anytime we're coming or going from Brooklyn, we'll take a bus. It's more efficient. You hop on the bus, you drive back to Philly. We were on the bus, though, for over two hours with no rain, and as soon as the door opens on the bus, (laughs) torrential downpour, like on cue. So sorry, Kate, please continue the thought, but it really was an act of God. It was No,
4: thank you, because it was hilarious, truly, as the doors opened. Um, But anybody who's gotten married and knows that rain is usually a great thing on that day. So I took it as a great sign for uh, the rest of the postseason to come um, and was laughing, obviously, the whole way. But Matt, just to get back to answering your question, um, just, yeah, it's too early to process everything, but feeling similar to how I was at the end of last year, but obviously much more settled this year. So grateful um, to be a part of this Phenomenal franchise, so happy and truly loving being here in Philly and meeting Sixers fans all over the country this year as a result of getting to travel for the first time. Uh, I thought personally as a broadcaster, I took a number of great steps in the right direction. I feel like we all kind of got to know each other a little bit better, the three of us everybody else in the organization, all of you fans listening this morning, and I'm I'm so excited, even though I hope it takes a long time to get there to year three, because I hope we're still playing basketball for a couple more months here in 2023, uh, but just really excited about year three, because I feel like we're just going to take it to another level next year, talk to Ian Eagle, obviously, the voice of the Brooklyn Nets, and calls games for TNT, and he said, he said you know, year three was really when I felt like I, I took that next step, because the first year is just wild. You're moving, you're taking over for a legend most of the time. You're trying to find your own voice. Year two, okay, you're trying to get all the ins and outs of what it's like to, to travel with an NBA team, the, the grind of, and, and the pace of the NBA season. And then year three is when you really just get to focus on, okay, now now I'm just going to focus on being the best broadcaster I can. Um, and I, I feel that. So it was interesting that he told me that a couple weeks ago. But uh, long story long, Matt, just loving being here. As I'm sure you can tell from that video, I, I'm pinching myself every day. Um, and I'm really excited about what this team may do over the next couple of months.
3: A great year too. And I know we're all going to give our series takeaways from the first round and talk more in depth about the team here when Lauren's going to jump back in on that side, but I wanted to jump back in with a quick story about how easy you make all of this look. The preparation process for announcers is not easy. And my story is a personal one. I get the call to fill in on the radio side and it's it's hustle bustle and getting all the materials organized. And for you, I I tweeted about how helpful you and Allah were and Tom McGinnis during a trip in March. But I for anyone who didn't hear about this or see my tweet, I to take it a step further, Kate was making sure that I had everything I needed in a way that is not to be expected in this industry and that's how good of a teammate she is. She makes her job and performance look so easy, but behind the scenes there's a lot that goes into it. But she made sure that I had everything I needed to the point where look, I'm the I'm the guy coming in filling in. It's it should be on me to go down to the lobby and print things and all that, but here <laughs> I am having Kate Scott sliding notes under my hotel room door to make sure I was ready to go on the radio, and that's just how good of a teammate You are, Kate. So I wanted to share that story because I'm so thankful for how much of a mentor you've been to myself and to Lauren and how good of a teammate you've been as we continue to cover this great Sixers team.
4: Well, that's what it's all about, Maddie. I'm so proud of how far far you've come. I'm so glad you got to call a couple more NBA games this season because, you know, I've told you privately and Lauren knows this as well. I was you not that long ago and uh, I had a lot of people Purposely not help me, um, and I had a few people help me, and those moments uh, stayed with me. So, as I've told you, I'm going to do everything I can to lift up as many people as I can on this crazy journey. So, I'm proud of you, kid. Keep going. Let's let's talk Sixers Celtics now, huh?
2: I was going to say, in the interest of keeping this one moving, I am going to hold myself back from talking about all the ways that Kate has helped me this season. Okay, on yeah, court, nobody cares. Off nobody court, cares on the road <laughs> at home. But just know that like everything that Kate, uh, all the positive things that you read or see about Kate Scott, they're all true, plus much more. Now, let's let her get back where she's more comfortable and stop waxing poetic (laughs) about how great she is, even though it's true, and talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, who brought the brooms out, they got the job done, 4-0 against the Brooklyn Nets, and earned themselves now this week off that we're filling time in between, starting (laughs) with this episode of Twitter Spaces if you're listening live, 76ers Insiders Podcast if you're listening posthumously. But let's talk some stats. And then Kate, what I wanna hear from you is, is your takeaways from round one. Matt, I wanna hear yours as well. But just to give sort of a holistic look at what went down. Of course, the Sixers more fully loaded in games one through three, had to play game four without Joel Embiid. I see comments asking about Joel Embiid's status. We do not have that yet. We will of course bring it to you when we do, but great to see the Sixers have a variety of folks step up, step in big time. It's really, every playoff game, and there's so many cliches around the playoffs, you guys know better than I do probably, but you hear the guys say something to the effect of, each game is the hardest game. Every next game that you earn becomes harder than the one before. And I think game four really exemplified uh, how hard it is to win a game, but how good you have to be, and, and how much can be done when you really dial in the way that they did in the second half of game four. Um, When you look cumulatively at the four games thus far, Tyrese Maxey, the team's leading scorer in these playoffs so far, he's averaging 21.8 points per game, but it has been a total crew effort. Joel Embiid leading the way in rebounding, 11.3 rebounds per game. James Harden, of course, the regular season assist leader in the NBA, continues to lead the Sixers in assists, 8.8 assists per game, and he's third in the postseason among all postseason players in assists per game. P.J. Tucker has come out so big. And again, I just wanted to make sure that a few people got shout outs here. P.J. leading the team in steals as the postseason gets underway, 1.8 steals per game. And with P.J., as we know, more on this in a bit, the stats never tell the full story. Tobias Harris also averaging over 20 points a game in the playoffs as we get going. Joel averaging 20 points a game in the playoffs as they get going. So a total team effort, honestly, when you look at all four games, different guys had to step up each time. That's what stood out to me. Kate Scott, when you look at this series holistically, what are you taking away and into round two?
4: Yeah, that's a fantastic transition. It's almost, it's almost like you knew what I was going to talk about, Miss Rosen. Um, but, but I think when it comes to the postseason, uh, there's a number of things that I pay attention to when I think about if a team is going to be able to be successful long-term in the postseason. And winning in a variety of ra- ways where you left off is one of the top things because... It's obviously not war in a literal sense, but in a sports sense, um, the intensity and physicality and mental focus of a postseason game versus a regular season game is just on another level. And that is exhausting as a result, both mentally and physically. So it was wonderful, as you mentioned, to see James Harden lead the way in game one. It was great to see Tyrese then take the baton and go off for 33 in game two. It was great to see... The ugly, brutal, awful Game 3 ejections that were unexpected, and still the Sixers found a way because of the resiliency, their togetherness, and then in Game 4, it was great to see. No Joel, and obviously we don't want that to continue throughout the postseason, but I thought James called another great game, as Doc likes to call him, kind of the catcher. Said he had a perfect game in in the opener, but I thought James was fantastic in helping Tobias then take over um, in game four. So I thought the winning in a variety of ways was huge. Uh, I thought the work on the glass was spectacular because we know that that has been a talking point because the Sixers haven't been as good as they have wanted to be and a lot of us have wanted them to be. And that was a huge Um, deciding factor, I think. And then when it comes to things you need to continue being successful, Uh, confidence and rest are huge. So I thought the fact that Tyrese and Tobias got going in this first round and thus I'm going to assume their confidence is going to be very high going into the second round, that's massive. And then just the rest because of the fact that what I said at the beginning, the exhaustion of just an individual game, let alone a series, in the playoffs is... To another level. So the fact that our guys were the first team to play and the first team to stop playing because they got their work done so um, quickly—that's massive for everybody who is healthy. And then obviously it's huge because Joel's coming back from a sprained right knee. So I don't think the first round could have gone much better, Uh, Lauren. And uh, I'm I'm just really proud of the guys because it was. As, as Matt said, first seven-game sweep since 85, first, first sweep since 1991. Like It is not easy to sweep anyone, regardless of the talent differential in the playoffs. So I thought the guys were spectacular in the first round.
2: Yeah, Kate, you mentioned that earned rest. And for those that have sort of discussed, okay, is rest bad? Could rest lead to rust? Are the guys going to be as intense when they come back after not having played for a week? Remember the play-in tournament they get, they had a week off and some of them had more than a week off not playing those final games on april 7th and april 9th of the regular season and they came out looking really good in game one perhaps the best holistic effort from the group Uh, all series long. So we know based on very recent experience that this week off could be an extremely good experience for the 76ers. They'll return to practice tomorrow. But Matt, before we talk about that, I want to hear your takeaways um, from what the Sixers can take from round one and into round two.
3: Kate mentioned James Harden calling perfect games and the baseball analogies. The other one that came out of the first round was throwing strikes Into the the shooting pocket for shooters, which I also really love that Sixers head coach Doc Rivers talked about. So, a couple different baseball analogies in round one. Kate also touched on the offensive rebounding effort, which brings me to the first of the playoff peas and Paul Reed. Because two years ago, around this time in the spring, he was in the G League bubble playing a condensed 15 game season, and now He was filling in for Joel Embiid, who was out as a starter in the NBA playoffs, and that's what player development is all about. This is one of the last picks of the 2020 draft, who is starting a playoff game and recording a double-double for the Sixers. So, of course, I wanted to—I often talk about Paul Reed, but he was in the starting lineup, so it's even more well-deserved for that shout-out. And he was crucial in their offensive rebounding efforts, eight of those rebounds of the— Career-high 15 came on the offensive glass in the clinching game for victory, and they recorded 58 more second-chance points in the series, and, and B-Ball Paul had a lot to do with that. But I know there's another guy whose name starts with P, Lauren, that had a major impact on the series and will continue to do so going forward.
2: Yeah, P.J. Tucker, who called Paul Reed the X-factor following game four, has... PJ does, a a sterling playoff reputation for what extra he can bring to a playoff game, to a clinch game, to an elimination game. Uh, from years and years of experience, the NBA champion from just a couple years ago, now a 76er, and for me, a massive takeaway out of round one. All season long, there was some criticism of PJ, and there was some question marks surrounding PJ, what he'd be able to do at this phase of his career in the playoffs. And I think that he erased any doubt that anyone might have in round one. Look at game one, the way he spoke to Paul Reed. The guys talked about it in the locker room post game. Um, We were told that that PJ had some strong words, some choice words perhaps (laughs) for Paul Reed at halftime of game one. And then sure enough though, Paul Reed not afraid to respond to the pressure put on him by the veteran and goes out and has that amazing third quarter performance Um, helping the Sixers get over the hump once. And then we're told that PJ had a similar conversation with Paul at halftime of game four, which ultimately became the clinch game. And Paul ends up grabbing his career high in rebounds and putting together that double-double that Matt mentioned. And it's not just PJ's influence on Paul. It's his influence on a guy like Tyrese Maxey, who said after game four that everything that we see from PJ on the floor is impressive, but what's more impressive – are those conversations he's having with players one-on-one that he's having in huddles. Doc Rivers even said that P.J. took over a huddle in game four and made it his own. And credit to Doc for backing off and letting P.J. Uh, coach the group in what would end up being a pretty pivotal huddle for the 76ers down the stretch in game four. So just my last thought on P.J. is is about Tyrese Maxey. And Tyrese said something that really stuck with me. He talked about P.J.'s comfort level, <laughs> pulling aside young guys. Ooh, I hear Piper. Hi, Piper. <laughs>
4: okay, She's agreeing with um, you. Keep going. Piping
3: up. <laughs> piping up, up. I
2: Um, Tyrese Maxey talked about PJ Tucker post game and said that PJ is really comfortable pulling the young guys aside and telling them what he sees and telling them how they can improve the likes of Paul Reed, the likes of Tyrese Maxey. But Tyrese also slid in the fact that he's also pulling aside James Harden and he's pulling aside Joel Embiid, guys, that are perhaps contribute, contributing more numerically, and a, a former MVP and a future MVP that are both in turn listening to what PJ has to say as well. So it's been really clear on and off the floor that PJ's impact is permeating every little corner of this locker room. His fingerprints are all over all four wins, and I'm so thrilled to have him on our side, guys.
4: Yeah, Miss Rosen, I mean, just going off of that, P.J. has a ring. Nobody else does when it comes to the players on this team. And he played with James for a long time. He has James' respect. He has Joel's respect. And when you have that level of um, just attention and respect from the two superstars on a team, it's, it's a trickle-down effect. So all the young guys are thinking, wow, man, this dude has been to the mountaintop. And, and it wasn't easy for P.J. I think that's another thing that's important to point out. P.J. wasn't a superstar like James or Joel coming out of college. Like, <laughs> I still remember walking with him when we were in Milwaukee a couple of weeks ago. And it was a pretty chilly morning. We're walking back from shoot around to the bus. And I said, was Milwaukee the coldest place you ever played? And he goes, no, Ukraine. And <laughs> like... P.J. played overseas for five years before getting a chance to come back to the NBA because he was drafted and then couldn't find a spot, had to go over to Europe. He played in Israel, Ukraine. So like he has the respect of everybody for so many different reasons. And that's why the Sixers went out and got him this offseason. That's why uh, it's taken a while to get to this point, because he was having to feel things out, right? He knew what he was worth and what he could bring. But like any smart person who comes to a new, org- new organization, you got to find out where you fit. So the first couple of months of the season, he was he was trying to find the fit. Um, so I'm so glad you bring up those stories, because yes, what he does on the court, as we saw in the first round, is so impressive. And it just it means more in the in the playoffs. His one offensive rebound that people may scoff at in a game in the regular season is the difference in a postseason game. But then it's the stuff he's doing behind the scenes, getting Paul Reed and Tyrese to have the great games they did in the first round. So I, I'm still blown away by the fact that after the Sixers got knocked out by P.J. in the Heat last year, and Joel says we need someone like a P.J. Tucker, that we actually went out and got the P.J. Tucker. Still blown away by that. Um and just so happy that he's here and that people are are now seeing what a big part of a potential championship team he could be.
2: Yeah, Kate, no off-brand PJ Tuckers for this team. We got the name brand. <laughs> we PJ
4: we went out and get the PJ Tucker. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, as we as we sort of turn our heads to what's ahead for the 76ers, the this they await the winner of the Celtics Hawks series that is ongoing. The Celtics appear to have taken Not a stranglehold necessarily of the series as of last night, but they are 3-1 and against the Hawks in the first four games. If you watched last night, it was an exciting one. Um, And we do also know that the series that is ahead will either start um, if the Celtics, rather, if the Celtics are able to finish this series on Tuesday, the Eastern Conference semifinals will start on Saturday in Boston. So the Sixers lose their home court advantage. The Celtics game gain, gain one and they'll play games one and two in Boston. If Atlanta is able to pull this one out, Game one won't take place until Monday of next week, so a week from today. And that, of course, would be in Philadelphia. So, Kate, as you look around the league, not necessarily at that series specifically or at that series specifically, <laughs> what are you watching for this week? What are you looking forward to? The games have been elite, of course, Yeah, um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on the road ahead.
4: Yeah, um, well, just the next couple of days, um, I- I'm hoping that the Heat uh, continue to punish Milwaukee. Um, I hope that that first round series goes seven games. I don't care who comes out of it, but that's one of the things you want. That's why I talked about it being so important that the Sixers got their work done in four games and now they get this rest. And I want every I want everybody else in the East in the West. I want them to play for as long as they possibly can. <laughs> get it get as beat up, get as exhausted as they possibly can. And then also I'm just enjoying the fun basketball. I mean, I'm obviously keeping an eye on the Warriors and Kings out in the Bay because that's where I was before I came here. And that is just a, a knockdown, drag out, slug fest. And that's what postseason basketball should be. So that's been awesome. Um, and then when it comes to to Sixers and the team that I expect them to face in the next round, uh, I'm of the mind that Boston, since we're going back to Boston, that the Celtics will close it out in five. Um, And then just just look into what the next round could be. And obviously we'll get more into that if and when that happens. But it was just breaking down the four games they played in the regular season this year. And I know that it's easy on the surface to say, oh man, the Celtics were the one team that really had the Sixers number, 3-1. But here's what I'm doing. I'm throwing out the first one because it was at the very beginning of the season and going off of what we just talked about with P.J. The Sixers were figuring things out. P.J., DeAnthony Melton, two huge pieces of the reason the Sixers are where they are right now. It was, it was their first time in Philly. And uh, so I'm giving that one. I'm just scratching that off because the Celtics made the finals. They had so much more going for them. Then the second game, I'm actually scratching that one off, too, because the Celtics didn't have anyone. They were playing with a really un-Celtics-like squad, um, and Jason Tatum knocked out Jalen Brown in the second quarter, and it was just it was a mess. So the, the, the two that I'm counting are the last two games, and the Sixers and Celtics split those two games because I think they're two incredibly talented, incredibly evenly matched teams. I think that they're the two best teams in the NBA this year, um, and I think whoever... Potentially wins that series, could potentially win the NBA championship this year. So I'm looking at the fact that it took a Jason Tatum running three pointer just before the buzzer and Joel Embiid letting a three quarters court three go just a second after the buzzer, uh, as the difference that one. And then I'm looking at the fact that Joel went off for a 50 piece in helping the Sixers get their one win over the Celtics during the regular season. So, um, I think you guys can probably sense my excitement already. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay patient because I don't, I don't want it to start yet because I want the Sixers to have the rest this week, but uh, I'm getting pretty fired up about what this potential Eastern Conference semis could look like.
3: I love it. Wrapping up with Kate Scott, our friend Winona is here, of course. Thanks as always, Winona. Winona said that PJ Tucker's voice and tenacity are invaluable to us. Jack Mm -hmm. had a comment that said, the only thing I have to say is, all caps, WE season, two exclamation points. That makes me think of the Doc Rivers quote after Game 4. We've got a bunch of guys that aren't scared of the fight. They actually go towards it. Love that one from Doc Rivers. And then, Kate, Solly had a couple of questions that you touched on year two as the Sixers TV announcer, but I just wanted to get these in and see if you had any extra thoughts. Solly said... Kate mentioned how she tried to find her voice after replacing a legend, wondering if she's ever spoken to Mark for any advice and what he said. And then also congrats on killing it for two years straight. What has been your favorite moment these past two seasons? I know you could elaborate on either or or both of those if we had more time, but (laughs) is there anything you'd like to add?
4: Uh, Gosh. Well, thank you. First of all, for the, uh, the compliment. And yes, I've been in touch with zoo since before I got here. Um, He has been wonderful. He's been a phenomenal support. Uh, I was just on his podcast recently, so feel free to listen to that if you'd like. But yes, he's been a huge support of mine, and uh, he's another reason that I wouldn't be loving this place and feeling as confident as I am, uh, because he's been a big support behind the scenes. And then favorite moments. Mm. I mean, two jump to mind just because they're a couple of my favorite calls, but last year, Tyrese Maxey, the short-handed Sixers, beating John ja Moran to the Memphis Grizzlies on Broad Street. That was a super fun game. And then the Joel turnaround, last second shot to beat the Blazers here on Broad Street a couple of months ago, um, just because uh, as a broadcaster, you always hope to get to be a small part of a big moment, either for an individual or for a team or for a franchise. So those are a couple of my favorites so far um, and, and looking forward to a lot more to come.
2: Kate, Scott, you are going to be a small part or perhaps maybe even a medium or large part of some (laughs) big moments as this season, as the season, of course, continues. Kate will be a a reporter for NBCSP as the uh, postseason continues. Matt and I will also be reporting as the postseason continues. So stay with us for as long as you guys want to. Uh, The Sixers, of course, will be back either on Saturday or Monday. We will keep you posted there. You can keep yourselves posted there. Again, if the Celtics close it out. It'll be Saturday. If the Hawks happen to make a comeback, it'll be Monday. But either way, we'll hope to be back with you guys as many times as we possibly can, leading up to perhaps a parade down Broad Street. So Matt Murphy, thank you as always. Kate Scott, thank you as always. If you're not already subscribed to the 76ers Insiders podcast feed, please make sure that you are doing so now. There's some great one-on-one conversations with a lot of the guys that really ended up emerging um, in the first round of the playoffs. If you want to get to know them a little bit better, there's tons of content there on the 76ers Insiders podcast feed. Um, Matt, Kate, anything else to plug before we head out of this one?
3: No, Lauren, thank you so much. For running point on this and Kate Scott thanks so much for joining us for the second time it was a pleasure
4: yeah and the pleasure was all mine you two appreciate you both let's go Sixers baby thanks for tuning in everyone
2: we'll talk soon bye guys thank you